Welcome to the Tenderloin Chronicles. You can follow me on social media at the Tenderloin Guy or email me at the Tenderloin Guy at gmail.com. Hey, it's the first episode of the Tenderloin Chronicles, and I'm so excited about this. For the past 10 years or so, I've been traveling the Midwest looking for breaded tenderloins, and along the way, I have met some amazing people and made some fantastic food discoveries. So, although this podcast is devoted mostly to breaded tenderloins, we're going to talk about a few other things and have some special guests also. This first episode is devoted to questions from people that I know about my journey and about the breaded tenderloin. So, without further ado, on to the questions. So Rick France writes in to ask if we can talk about the history of the breaded tenderloin, and I think that's a great topic for the first podcast. So it's a variation of Wienerschnitzel, which most people think is a German dish, but it actually originated in Austria. The breaded tenderloin sandwich probably was originated in Huntington, Indiana. That's the prevalent theory, and I do believe it's accurate. In 1876, a young man named Nick Feinstein was born to German immigrant parents in the town of Huntington, Indiana. He grew up eating the Wiener Schnitzel, and as a young man, he had a food cart on the streets of downtown Huntington. He came up with a sandwich that was a variation of the Wiener Schnitzel, which is made of veal, but veal was not very available in Huntington in the late 1800s, so he started using pork because everybody raised pigs around there. He breaded it and fried it and sold it out of his food court, and that became the Indiana breaded tenderloin sandwich. Nick's Kitchen became his restaurant. It still is in business in Huntington, Indiana, and is well worth a visit. It is kind of the mecca of breaded tenderloins. Uh, Holly and I have been up there and really enjoyed our visit. And let me tell you, if you go up there in addition to the breaded tenderloin, Try the sugar cream pie, another Indiana dish. It is some of the best around. Coy Hutcherson asks, what's the furthest I've driven for a pork tenderloin sandwich? Good question, Coy, and I typically don't take road trips just for the sandwich. For those that may not know, my wife and I are both entertainers. We're both musicians. I'm a stand-up comedian, and we get to travel to different towns and different states several times a month. So what I will do is I will look at some of the review sites like Yelp, TripAdvisor, some of the others, and try to find a tenderloin in the town that we're going to be performing in. In addition, there are a couple of groups on Facebook. There's uh, Pursuing Pork Tenderloins, Breaded Pork Tenderloins, Hoosier Style, and a couple of others that I'm members of, and I can always ask for recommendations there. If you are on Facebook and love the tenderloin sandwich, check those groups out you will find a wealth of information there. Thank you for the question, Coy. Paul Burris writes in to ask, grilled versus breaded? And for me, the choice is simple. I prefer a breaded tenderloin. I love texture in food. I really enjoy varying textures. And in a breaded tenderloin, in a good breaded tenderloin, you have the crispness of the breading and the firmness of the meat, and it just makes for a great texture explosion in your mouth. There are lots of folks that prefer a grilled tenderloin. That's just not my preference, but there are some very good ones around. The next question comes from several different people, and that is, what's the difference between a pork tenderloin and a pork fritter? 
It's a great question because those words are almost interchangeable in use, it seems, but they're two very different products. A pork fritter is ground pork, typically factory-made, that is pressed, processed, breaded, and frozen. A true pork tenderloin is a slice of the tenderloin that is hand-pounded and breaded and then deep-fried. There's a couple ways you can tell the difference by sight. A fritter, being ground pork, if you have it sliced, you can see the ground pork looking almost like hamburger inside of it. Also, a fritter typically is of a uniform shape, round, like a hockey puck. A true breaded tenderloin, each one that comes out of the kitchen is going to look a little bit different because they're hand-cut and hand-pounded. One restaurant in particular, Richard's Restaurant in Muncie, Indiana, offers both a breaded tenderloin and a pork fritter on their menu, and I was surprised that the waitress told me it is about 50-50 how many people prefer the fritter or the tenderloin. And along those same lines, my friend Andrew over on Twitter asked if I could explain my hatred of fritters, and the simple answer is I don't hate fritters. What I hate is when a restaurant advertises a breaded tenderloin and serves me a fritter instead. Fritters are kind of a nostalgic taste for me. I, that's what I grew up eating, and I did not discover a truly hand-breaded tenderloin until I was well into adulthood. So I don't mind a good fritter now and then. Just don't sell me a breaded tenderloin, but then serve me a fritter. Andrew, good to see you. Di Johnson Dobbs writes in to ask if I review chain restaurants, and if so, do I review just one or several of them? I'm not opposed to reviewing a chain restaurant. I've not found many that serve a breaded tenderloin. There are a couple of regional chains that do, and Culver's also serves a breaded tenderloin and occasionally Dairy Queen. So I will do a chain restaurant now and then, and I will just review a location individually. So I may review several locations of the same chain that can be a little bit different. My good friend Kevin Burke, he writes in to ask, why are they so huge? This is a pet peeve of mine. We live in a society where bigger is better, and that's not necessarily true. I prefer quality over quantity. I think they're huge because people think they're getting a bigger value for their money that way, even though it's the same amount of meat. It's just pounded out flatter. So I think it's kind of a rampant consumerism thing. Chris Tatler writes in to ask, does beer batter belong on a tenderloin? I think I can devote an entire episode later on to the question of battered versus breaded. In the restaurant business, that is kind of interchangeable. So you may order a breaded tenderloin, but technically what you get is a battered tenderloin. I like a battered tenderloin, and I like a breaded tenderloin. So I think it does. It's just a matter of personal taste. Corey Porter gives me the most unique question I've had so far. Have I ever had a tenderloin in the Tenderloin District? I have not. But now I want to go and visit just because of the name. My buddy Patrick Newman from Texas writes in to ask, is there a combination of condiments, for example, that makes it a classic tenderloin sandwich? I don't think so. We all like them a little bit different. Somebody may like tomato, lettuce, and mustard. I like ketchup, mayo, and onion. That's the combination that I like. I think that complements the bread, the breading, and the meat. 
but there's no wrong way to eat a tenderloin sandwich. I think what makes it a classic tenderloin sandwich is that it hangs over a regular hamburger bun. If you look at all the pictures, that's kind of the classic tenderloin sandwich we think of. I've run into a few restaurants that serve gourmet buns on their tenderloins, uh, like a garlic knot roll there is, or a pretzel roll. There's a restaurant in St. Charles, Missouri called Big A's that serves theirs on an elongated hoagie type roll. I think when you start messing with the bread, you get away from a classic tenderloin sandwich and start going into gourmet tenderloins. And I prefer the classic sandwich, but then again, that's just me. There's no wrong way to eat a tenderloin sandwich. Dan Kalfas, all the way from Pennsylvania, asks if I'm eating a breaded tenderloin and I hit a significant piece of gristle, do I eat around it or do I stop right there? And Brent Bedwell asks, which is better, machine tenderized or hand pounded? And I can answer both of these questions at once. If I hit a significant piece of gristle, I will stop right there because that should have been discovered in the hand pounding process. And that's why I prefer hand pounded over machine tenderized. When you throw a piece of meat in a machine, it takes away the personal aspect of it. When you hand pound it, you can look for those imperfections, those pieces of gristle that will make it less than a stellar sandwich. So a big piece of gristle in a sandwich is a big no-no for me. David Stovall and Adam Headley had some very specific and very good questions. David asked, why is it called a breaded tenderloin when so many restaurants serve a breaded loin and what is the difference in the cuts of meat? And Adam asked about the ratio of breading to meat, hand breading versus machine breading, which we talked about just for a second, and things like that. And that made me think I'm going to devote an entire episode to the differences between tenderloin and the loin cut and also different cooking processes, and I'm going to call some experts in on that. So look for answers to those questions in the next few episodes. Several people have asked how this whole tenderloin guy thing got started. Several years ago, Holly and I were having dinner at a little place called Jimmy B's, which is at the corner of 116 College on the far north side of Indianapolis. Jimmy B's is the quintessential neighborhood dive bar. And if you know me, even though I don't drink alcohol, I have a special thing for dive bars. I just love neighborhood dive bars. So we were eating there and I ordered the breaded tenderloin. And I've had some pretty good tenderloins in my life, but there was something about this one that just set it apart. The breading ratio to the meat, the thickness of the meat, the crispness of the breading, everything was just absolutely spot on. And I looked at Holly and said, this may be the best tenderloin I've ever had in my life. And she replied by saying, you should start reviewing these. So I started a blog on WordPress. And my thought was I probably would review four or five or six tenderloins and I'd get a few people to view it and I would get bored with it and it would kind of go by the wayside. But that first post got hundreds of views, and I posted another and another. And the next thing I knew, the USA Today newspaper called me and said, we want to talk to you about tenderloins. A writer from the Chicago Tribune came down and spent the day with me sampling tenderloins around Indianapolis. And about 10 years later, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, I'm still going strong. I love the breaded tenderloin. I think it is part of our Hoosier culture. It's a lot like Hoosiers in general. 
we're not flashy, we're not showy, but we're good people. And that's the way I view a breaded tenderloin. It's not flashy, it's not showy, it's just a good sandwich. That's how this whole crazy thing started. there you have it, the very first episode of the Tenderloin Chronicles. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at thetenderloinguy at gmail.com. You can find all my reviews at thetenderloinguy.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Tenderloin Guy. Till next time, have a great day and be kind to each other.